I have to say, I was listening to uh, the offertory, the flute, piano uh, duet uh, from, from back over here in the back, so I couldn't see what was going on, but I, I, I'm impressed. I didn't know you could play the flute that well with a mask on. So, so good morning. Welcome to Bethany United Methodist Church, where we're leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ and grow in his image. And we're glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Uh, if you have questions, I invite you to, uh, if you have the live chat visible, uh, reach out to one of our hosts on the line, uh, or you can uh, visit our webpage to find further information. We're starting a series this morning. We're going to be talking about God's faithfulness. Uh, and this morning, we're going to talk about God's faithfulness in the past and how that has shown us that God's steadfast love endures. Uh, I'm going to start with an unusual psalm this morning. It's probably not the one you expected us to begin with. Uh, This is Psalm 137. And Psalm 137 is probably one of the most painful uh, pieces of Scripture, uh, almost in the whole Bible. Uh, It it really is a, a, a difficult psalm to to read and to hear. It comes out of that period of time when Israel is in exile. It is not meant to be heard as instruction for how to deal with such times, but rather is, is an expression of the pain of the heart of the people of Israel who have seen their, their city overrun, who have seen their homes and businesses burned, who have seen their families killed, and who have been taken captive into exile. And so it's out of that place of pain and uh, hurt and bitterness uh, that this psalm is lifted up and and I want you to hear it not as instruction for how to behave but as an expression of the pain of people's heart. By the rivers of Babylon there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our harps for there our captors ask us for songs and our tormentors ask for mirth saying sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem's fall. Had they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator. Happy shall they be who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. I mean, it's a, it's a vengeful, painful, uh, filled with hurt uh, kind of, of poem that comes to us, that they bring to us in that. Uh, and you hear in it the pain of the heart of the people Israel. So for me, one of the interesting things is, is thousands of years later, there's a song that comes out of the Caribbean. Um, it was originally uh, recorded by a group called the Melodians on the island of Jamaica. And it takes the first part of Psalm 137 and combines it with the petition in Psalm 19 uh, that you'll hear me pray a lot of times before sermons. And they put this together in a song that was a protest song, uh, original for uh, the Rastafarians on Jamaica, but it, it got picked up uh, across the whole basin. Jamaica outlawed it at first, and, uh, but the airwaves carried it across the whole Caribbean basin. And it became a protest song for the indigenous people of the Caribbean area. And in bringing those two uh, pieces of those two psalms together, uh, it became a song of encouragement and a song of hope and a song of perseverance uh, to, to the people in the Caribbean basin. Uh, and it just changed the whole kind of tenor and meaning of the first part of those words. By the rivers of Babylon, 
There we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. For the wicked carry us away to captivity, require from us a song. How can we sing King Alpha's song in a strange land? So let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O far I. Became widely heard all across the Caribbean basin, spread into the United States in the 70s, and uh, was then recorded by multiple artists. It's, it's even been recorded more recently by other artists. And uh, sometimes the words are changed a little bit and played with. But it's fascinating to me that they took the, the beginnings of Psalm 137, this psalm of such deep pain, and brought psalm, one, psalm 19 alongside of it. And what comes out of that is a psalm that says, even in the midst of oppression, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of hardship, God is with us. And so allow us to live as God's people, even in these times of hardship. Let us pray. And Father, we do come to you in crazy times, in the midst of the pandemic, um, in the midst of racial tensions, in the midst of elections. Um, all of this craziness is around us and unsettling to us. So we, we ask you to be with us so that even in these times, the, the words of our mouths, the meditation of our hearts might be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. God knows his people uh, very, very well. And God knows that as his people, we have this tendency to forget God. Uh, and, and sometimes we do that in times that are good, and sometimes we do that in times that are bad. But uh, it, it's very easy for us to forget who God is. And so as God is uh, speaking to his people and, and preparing them to move into the promised land, he gives them these words. He says, when the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to uh, Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you a, a land with fine large cities that you did not build, houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill, hewn cisterns that you did not hew, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you have eaten your fill, Take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. There's this temptation when everything is going well for us to forget God and begin to think it's all us. Didn't we do great? We're so smart. We're so good. We're so great. We're so wonderful. We, we tend to forget that actually this is a gift of God's grace to us in those times. And, and we begin to think it's all about us. And it's fascinating then that, that when things are difficult... We blame God. So in the psalm, as it goes into Psalm 137, it ends. You know, how are we going to sing the Lord's song in a, in a foreign land? How can we sing it here? God's abandoned us. God's betrayed us. God's handed us over to the enemy. How can we sing to God when God has betrayed us and abandoned us? And it's so easy for us to forget God's presence with us. So even in this time in, in exile, God speaks to his people and reminds them, can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. See, I cannot forget you. 
Even, even if you forget, I will not forget. I've inscribed you right here on the palms of my hands. Every time I, I reach my hand to do anything, I will remember you. I, I don't know if this game happened in your household, but when my children were growing up, there was this game they would play sometimes, and they would come in and they would say, uh, well, what would you do if... Remember that? Now, sometimes that was a precursor because they'd already done it. And they were just testing, you know, how, how much trouble am, am I going to get into? But other times they were testing me or my wife to see how far can we go before you reject us? You know, what does it take? What does it take? And there were times we'd have to say, yeah, that would make us really unhappy. Or that would make us really unhappy with you. Or if you insisted on that, you would not be able to stay in this house. But nonetheless, no matter what you do, I will still love you because you're my child. And God speaks the same things to his people. This, you, you may do things I'm unhappy with. You may do things that make me deeply repulsed. But, but nonetheless, you're my child. Your, your name's inscribed on the palms of my hands. I will never forget you. And I will not cease to love you. So God speaks to his people and reminds them of that. And he gives them practices to help remember uh, you know, this passage out of Deuteronomy, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem to your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Remember, remember, remember. Because you're a forgetful people. Remember. And he speaks to them again through Isaiah in the midst of the, the time of uh, the exile. And he says, I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us, and the great favor to the house of Israel, that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Remember, remember, you're inscribed on the palms of God's hands. And so in that time of exile, the, the people of Israel remembered those stories, and they lifted it up, and they told them to each other to remind them of God's love for them. One of the great stories comes before the time of the, the sojourn in Egypt when, uh, when Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. They're jealous of him and so they throw him in a pit and then they sell him into slavery. He rises to prominence in Egypt. I'm shortening the story, those of you who know the story more. And then a time of famine comes on the land of Canaan. And his brothers go to Egypt to seek food for their people and possibly a place to stay and shelter uh, during this time of famine. And, and the steward of Egypt is their brother Joseph, whom now many years later they don't recognize. And there's this wonderful moment in Genesis when they're standing before their brother. And Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. I'm thinking they were distressed. You know, I mean, how would you feel if you had sold one of your family members into slavery and, and now you're standing before him? And he's a prominent person in Egypt. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're distressed. Maybe they were afraid. I'm pretty sure at that moment they were greatly regretting what they had done. 
There probably was some deep pain involved in that, the realization, realization of what they had done. But Joseph has this fascinating way of dealing with this, doesn't he? Don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here into Egypt. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. There are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Wow. I don't know about you, but if I was in Joseph's shoes and, and I had been betrayed by my own family and sold into slavery, could I rise above that pain and that bitterness? But Joseph, somehow he's, he's elevated above that, that personal pain, and he's seeing this with God's eyes. I mean, you did this, but, but God, God actually was in it. Sending me here through your betrayal, he has sent me here to prepare a place to save your lives and the lives of our people. What an amazing, what an amazing elevation. What an amazing way of understanding God moving in the midst of history even in the midst of painful history. And the people of Israel were to remember that in the time of the famine, God preserved them through Joseph. And then generations later, when Pharaoh forgot who Joseph was and the people of Israel had grown numerous in the land of Egypt, and Pharaoh felt threatened by them and was using them as slave labor in that, uh, God would, would speak to his servant Moses who had fled, remember he had fled into the wilderness to escape the charge of murder. And God speaks to his servant Moses. And he says, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Lots of sites in those days. Uh, but but he, he's raised them up. And, and you hear what God says. Listen, I, I've heard you. I've heard your cry. And I've, I've come to answer that. Even in this time when you've been enslaved and you think that God has forgotten all about you, no, I have heard your cry. I understand your suffering. I feel that with you. And I am here to deliver you. You're inscribed on the palm of my hand. And I can't forget you. I mean, even in times that are difficult for us, God is, is walking with us. And God's love is still with us. One of the amazing things is, Right before Psalm 137, the psalm of such deep pain, is, is Psalm 136, which is this joyful celebration of everything that God has done for us. And so I'm going to read through this. It's intended to be read responsively. And so uh, I'm going to read the darker lettering, and you're going to read the light lettering, and those of you in the room and those of you at home as well. Uh, and we're going to read through uh, Psalm 136 as they rehearse uh, what God has done for the people of Israel. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. For his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. Who alone does great wonders. For his steadfast love endures forever. Who by understanding made the heavens. 
who spread out the earth on the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day, the moon and stars to rule over the night, who struck Egypt through their firstborn, And brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it, but overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. who led his people through the wilderness. It is he who remembered us in our low estate and rescued us from our foes, who gives food to all flesh. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. Now, I, I know partway through that, some of you were thinking, how long is this psalm? Uh, and you should know I edited part of it out uh, uh, and made it shorter. But, but it's this, this tremendous recitation of all the amazing thing God has done to remind the people Israel of God's love for them, that his steadfast love does endure forever. And that, that word steadfast love sometimes is translated, uh, they'll just say his love never ends or something like that. But steadfast love is the word because it, it's the word chesed. Uh, it, it's God's active, loyal, faithful, loving kindness. It's, it's not simply that God loves, but God is faithful and loyal in that love. And he's faithful and loyal in that love to you. To you. Your name is inscribed on the palm of his hand. And he cannot forget you. And he will never cease loving you. And God's love is steadfast to us. And so as the people of Israel remembered that, they gained hope. Paul, when he writes his letters to the various churches, you hear him kind of picking up this idea that you need to remember, you need to give thanks as he speaks to them. And he says, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Because Paul understood that when we remember, when we give thanks, we do not forget God's love for us. You know, when I was growing up, uh, my grandmother had this really annoying habit. And as a young kid, you know, we just used to think she was annoying. But whenever we would start to complain or whine about things, she would start to sing the old, you know, uh, gospel hymn, you know, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. And there's nothing that really spoils a pity party more than having your grandmother sing this to you. Um, and, 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 you know, at the time it seemed annoying and all. And then as we got older, uh, we began to appreciate uh, her wisdom in that. Uh, this woman who was widowed with three young daughters in a rural Texas town in the depths of the Great Depression and had to figure out how to keep house and home together and feed her family. 
She could easily have become bitter. She easily could have become angry. But instead, it drove her to a deeper faithfulness. And she was trying to pass that on to her grandchildren, who really could not appreciate it at that young age, but later on came to appreciate the wisdom that she was passing on to us. That holding on and remembering what God has done for us, remembering God's faithfulness to us, is what gives us strength in the present moment. So I want to ask you some questions. I want one, what blessings in your life can you name? I want you to be specific. What blessings can you name? How has God blessed you in your life? I mean, how and when has God been faithful to you? Be specific. When can you say, yeah, God has been faithful. God, God showed his love for me when this happened. And then if you understand that, do you trust that God will continue to be faithful to you even in the craziness of the time we're in? We're going to hear a word from our sister, Olivia. Hello, my name is Olivia White. And about two years ago, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. One of the big questions that I was constantly asking myself was, where is God's faithfulness now? I couldn't see it because I was blinded by my fear and my distrust. But unlike me, who was afraid, who was surprised, and who was very out of control, God was not afraid, was not out of control, and was not surprised. In fact, he had already been working in preparing me for my dad's cancer. He brought in new people to my life who could point me back to God direct me back to his word. He brought me new friends who were strong in the Lord. He gave me new mentors who I could talk to and share my doubts with and ask questions. He even brought me a girl whose dad had suffered the same cancer that my dad had gone through. I remember her asking me, are you okay? And I would respond with, yes. And then she would say, are you sure? She knew how it felt to go through that. And so she wanted to make sure that I was okay. And it was through those people and so many others that I was directed back to God, that I didn't leave. And I remembered that I'm not abandoned. I'm not alone. And I don't have to be afraid. Now, my dad's cancer free, I can look back on God's faithfulness and it helps me to have assurance for today. Just because my dad's cancer-free doesn't mean that I don't have any more problems. But I know that because God was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. God's faithfulness in the past allows me to trust him in the present and allows me to hope in the future. Thank you. Amen. Amen. So do you trust God's chesed, his steadfast love for you? Do you truly understand and believe and claim that your name is inscribed on God's palm, that God will never forget you, that God's love never leaves you? Let's pray. Mighty Father, we give you thanks for all your great acts of love for us. 
for all the ways in which you have sustained your people throughout centuries and millennia. And we ask in those moments when, when we are overwhelmed in the midst of the craziness we are living in, when we feel like we've reached the rope's end, that you remind us of your faithfulness to us, of your steadfast love for us. And as we share in communion this morning, we ask particularly that you remind us that your love is so great that you even offered yourself up for us. So fill us with a confidence and a trust and your steadfast love for you, for us, that we may live in faith and in hope. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.